Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The I didn't realize you liked me that way deal. Because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hi, how can I help you today? As a McDonald's employee, you say those words quite often. But how about when you need help, like consulting a doctor? Hi, how can I help you today? When you work for a McDonald's restaurant, we take care of you like family. With free virtual doctor's visits, including getting prescriptions and refills for you and everyone in your family. Apply today at careers.mcdonalds.com and find out more. The benefits described herein are only available at participating restaurants. The Fearless Curious Soul, Goldilocks Productions presents The Deep Weaving. Connecting you to your soul show. This is Suzanne Wyman, The Deep Psychic. Welcome to the show. Thank you for listening in and joining me. I'm very happy to have you. Please think about the commentary that you relate to. Think about how this conversation goes and how it may be an answered prayer or you tuning into the universe and how the universe supports you. I want you to feel included. If I have a message that you think is for you, yes, that message is for you. And... I hope this resonates, brings you to a higher vibration, and uh, makes you feel that you're part of something greater than yourself. The universe is connecting to you and answering your questions. Today, I have a really special treat. I've got Darity Wesley with me, and Darity is uh, a person who comes to the deep amount of experience, uh, her own ideas about working in the metaphysical world, and I am really excited to have her on the show with me today. Well, hi there. Hey, Daddy. Hi, Daddy. Hi, Suzanne. How are you? I'm wonderful. Tell me, tell me. I want to shut up. Let me. (laughs) Go ahead. Okay. Let me just introduce myself to all those that are listening. I know that you know me, but a lot of folks don't know me. And so I just wanted to share that uh, I'm what's called a modern-day oracle. And, uh, for those who don't know, <laughs> an oracle is uh, one who has the ability to profess future occurrences, to do readings, and to create tools for our spiritual toolbox. And uh, I've written a book called How to Be the Real You, and its companion workbook, How to Be the Real You, Go Deeper. And um, for our listeners, uh, more information is available on me at my website, DohertyWesley.com, and at my website, TameThatMonkeyMind.com. 
But that's I love true. it. I know. Part of becoming the real you is taming that monkey mind. So <laughs> today I wanted to take and do, um, we talked about this, and it's, what is it called? It's called the five keys. The five keys to unlocking who you really are. It's kind of the path. Yeah, the path to uh, self-discovery. Okay. Is, uh, these are the, these are what I've found are really important keys to stepping into our authenticity. Cool. Can we do them? Sure. I will say that. You want to know what those five keys are? <laughs> oh, please. Yes. Oh no, no. The five keys are. The first one is to accept yourself. Mm-hmm. The second one is to lose the past. The next one is to allow yourself to be vulnerable. Another one is to stop caring what other people think. Another one is to be open and honest with yourself and others. Those are the five keys that I have found that really unlock our path of self-discovery and our path to the real us. So, Doherty, can I, um, like, break rapport with you for a moment? I have, um, uh, I'm really hard of hearing, and you have a very soft, hypnotic voice. <laughs> do, you have a, do you have a way to turn up the volume on your phone or speak more directly into the mouthpiece for me? I do. Actually, I have my AirPods on. Is that better? I've turned it up as high as it'll go. Yeah, it's just, I think it's, I think it's me. I think you're also very soft-spoken. So um, I'm just trying so to... So speak up? <laughs> uh, just, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> Please. <laughs> okay. Tell, tell everybody who's listening today, tell them what your concurrent profession is. You have a profession that you have done in tandem and at the same time as working on this process. And share with us a little bit about that because it is very unusual that a person is involved in the work that you do and then finds themselves working as a modern-day oracle. And so I just, I just want you to talk about that just a little bit, please. You mean that my former status as an attorney? Yeah, that one. <laughs> ah, ah. I'm a recovering lawyer. <laughs> um, I have. I am. I'm. I'm really passionate. Yeah, I have. I. It's true to uh, to share more about me with uh, listeners. Uh, for the last for 35 years, prior to the last three years, I was uh, practicing privacy and information security lawyer, and did business law, intellectual property, and those kind of things, and. At the same time, of course, I've had my, uh, my spiritual path has been a part of my life all along. As a matter of fact, my law firm was called the Lotus Law Firm. And wow. it was because we brought a new perspective to the law to incorporate communication, um, you know, cooperation and collaboration as part of being lawyers and working with people and helping to solve problems. So that was part, that's been part of my career for the last uh, 35 years. And now I have shifted full-time into being the modern-day oracle. I started doing the oracle, uh, oracle messages, uh, writing from this oracle perspective in 2006 on MySpace, for anybody who remembers MySpace. And, <laughs> and then people started wanting to uh, receive it on um, email, so I started emailing it out, and then pretty soon I built it up, and now I have uh, – an international, I have a list of people that I send out my, what's now called Love from the Lotus World, to people all over the world. And I put an oracle message in, and I talk about the, the forces at play in the universe, and, and uh, you can sign up on my, on my website if you're interested. So I have been a lawyer and incorporated those things at the same time. And now that I've moved uh, out of the law because I'm getting to the next Getting towards the end of the life here, it's been a very long life for me at this point. Getting towards the end, I'm ready to step into um, more wisdom sharing, sharing the wisdom that I have, uh, about, that, I've, about, that I've accumulated. <laughs> oh, good. How about sharing uh, a short segment of your wisdom with a caller? We have a caller, and I think it's somebody who's calling who knows you because of the area code. So... Oh. Um, 
Well, so what do you think? Would you like to um, sure. bring the caller on? I'll do a short reading. You can do a short reading. And we're going to take and okay. we're going to do short readings. And throughout the conversation, we're going to come back to the five keys. And um, that's, that's how I'd like to – you can talk. I thought I could talk, but Darty, you got me. <laughs> okay, we got we got, okay. we got, um, got uh, our first caller. I hope calling in, and uh, let's see who we got here. <clears throat> Nobody. Okay. Now let's wait a second here. Um, so tell me. Oh, there we go. Okay. So tell me the first key, and let's talk about the key that when you were working on writing um, this process, what was the one that you saw was the most difficult one for yourself personally? Of all five keys, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, of all five. I think accepting myself, which is probably why I wrote about that first uh, for years, all my life actually, um, until I started working on this particular key. I hated myself. Oh my do we, gosh! Do we, have, you know? do we have six one nine with us? Is six nine is six one nine caller six one nine listening with us? Hello. Hello. My producer told me that you're unmuted and you're able to um, converse with us. Join the conversation. <laughs> no. Okay. Maybe they're having trouble with the phone or something. All right. Um, so you hated yourself. That's. That's pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really uh, did not like me. Um, I thought I was, uh, you know, I had a lot of conditioning with, uh, because I was abandoned, felt abandoned. I felt abandoned. I was in foster homes nearly part of my life. And so I was, you, you know, I was worthless. I was not loved, uh, unlovable. I mean, why would I, why would anybody want me? And so in that, um, that experience of being put in foster homes at, uh, at 18 months, and uh, and then not rejoining a family until five. During that period of time, I, you know, I really got a lot of um, not good feelings about myself because I was unlovable. And therefore, through the course of my life, uh, all through my teenage years and so forth, having tried to commit suicide, et cetera, et cetera. So that it was that was really, I guess, one of the the more difficult steps for me. Although each one is its own particular perspective. <laughs> right. Well, what a First of all, what a very open and honest conversation to have and to, you know, I mean, today we would understand, I hope we would have more understanding of somebody who was raised in foster care from a very early age, um, and that's really such an important developmental process with a child's brain that, you know, oh, I mean, yeah. it really is, so... Um, yeah, and when I, when I was in foster care, there wasn't any foster care. I mean, you were just shipped off to people because this was back in the, in the 1940s. So there was right. no, uh, you know, there was no formal system. It was just, oh, this person's taking you now, and then, oh, well, this family can get you here and that family. So it was very chaotic uh, as opposed to any kind of formalized foster system. But still, the feelings right. were there, you know. <laughs> Right. And it's the feelings that base our experience. Right. Huh. Yeah, yeah that is that is a really I, I don't I think even if you formalize such a um abandonment of a child yes. separating a child yeah. from a family, there really is no formalized ritual that's gonna make it any better. But at least mm-hmm. um the current method we we try to keep track of the bodies that are circulated through the system. So mm-hmm. um but yeah. it does it does leave scars. It leaves um, scars. It does. So self-acceptance. I worked on them. I've worked on those scars, I'll tell you. So now yeah. those are gone and done and healed. And uh, uh-huh. what I'd like to share with our audience is that the, one of the best practices that got me through this was something called looking in the mirror. Where uh-huh. I would sit and look in the mirror and say to myself over and over and over again, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you, I love you. And that, that was real goofy when I first heard about it. The process of looking in the mirror and say, "I love you, I love you," but goofy or not, I, it was really something that uh, that really worked for me. And I would practice that's, saying it over and over again. And that's that's what Louise Hay had. You know, she did a description of what she did in her day, and one of the things that she did was did she? she did 
she did the she looked in the mirror and she did her affirmations uh-huh. and mm-hmm. um same same similarities in the story, you know, other, yeah. um, except for yeah. the fact of, of being a refugee. So, yeah. <clears throat> um, but the, the interesting thing of it is is that when you actually take the time to affirm to yourself and talk to yourself and, you know, do this, you know, positive speak to yourself... It, it really it really resonates at a deeper level, and you're receptive to it. I'm not saying it happens in you know one or two times of saying "I love you," you're oh, wonderful. No, no, no. It, no, takes, no, it no. takes every <laughs> single day. <laughs> commitment. Like, no, no. It takes commitment. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. Okay. It does. So what I liked was too when I first started doing it, Suzanne. I noticed uh, when I when I was doing it that I watched, I would look at myself real deep, and I could see that my pupils would dilate as I would tell myself, I love you, I love you, I love you. And I went, wow, that's really interesting. Because, you know, they've said for, what, hundreds, thousands of years that the eyes of the, you know, the look into the soul. And I was so right. surprised to see my eyes dilate. I thought, wow, there's really, maybe there's something to this. <laughs> so iridology, iridology is the... logical study of the eyes. But now they say that what you see in the iris Mm -hmm. shows up in the fingerprints, and the fingerprints are a series of circles and triangles and um, markings. And now there's somebody who is uh, working, well, it's actually a friend of mine, Richard Unger in Sausalito, California, at the Hand Analysis Institute, and they're using markings on people's hands to determine personality issues. Wow, uh, cool. So, so there's certain, I, I suppose, this is what I gather, I could be incorrect, don't quote me. I suppose what they found is, is that there's certain markings on people's hands um, if they turn out to be criminals or there's certain shapes to their, their fingerprints. But the bottom of your feet have prints, whorls, in all sorts of marks, and from the time you're born until the day you die, the marking of your footprint changes so little that they can identify you based on that print that they took of your foot when you were born. Oh, interesting. Right. So fingerprints, wow. there's fingerprints can Jane, wash yeah. away. There's some people right. that wash, they wash their hands so much that the prints become very light. And then um, things happen in your life, and there's marks that show up on your hands. So your hands hold the information of acute information, whereas your feet are the holders of chronic information. They tell me your father had poor health, your mother had poor health, you were born with a birth defect, um, how you see yourself in the world, how you got along with other people when you were a child, what sort of person you're likely to marry, and how you see yourself. But... The, talking about body markings and talking about the reaction of the soul to being told that you are loved and you seeing a physical reaction, which I always think that's every time you say that and you go, and I actually could see that there was a reaction. And I, I, I think to myself, I think, well, there would be a reaction, wouldn't there? You're addressing your soul. You're acknowledging uh-huh. your soul. You're reconnecting yourself to your soul. Exactly. So the... So that is that is the point of the conversation because you're saying yeah. I love you. You're saying I love exactly. you to the physical form, but you're saying I love mm-hmm. you to your soul, to your past experiences. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. good. Very yeah. okay, cool. So I um, am hoping I am asking somebody to call in today and ask a question. It's kind of um, I am. I, I have somebody, and I've known this person for a long time. I absolutely love and adore her. And I sort of had one of those aha moments. And so I'm bringing her on today to ask a question. And um, that's, that's, our, that's our next caller. So um, Tiffany is going to let me know when she's actually inside um, the phone call with us. And we're waiting for Stephanie. So that's what we're doing here today. All right. Um, 
The next one, the next key that we're going to talk about is what is the second key in the process? Uh, the second key in the process is losing the past. Hey, Stephanie. In other words, stop. Hey, hey, hi. Hey. <laughs> hey, are you ready to lose your past today, Stephanie? <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a matter of fact, I am ready to lose my past. Good for you. <laughs> Good for you. Stephanie, I would like you to meet Darty Wesley. Darty Wesley, I would like you to meet my friend Stephanie. Hello, Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Nice to meet nice you. To meet. Thank so, you. You're welcome. Well, Let's do your so question. I do actually have a question. Okay. And it is it's in regards to anger versus rage. It, are the two, are they different? Is one just mm -hmm. an extension of the other, or mm -hmm. are they actually different? Mm -hmm. And is one not good to have, or, or you know, what? My, my, my main concern is this, is that, you know, anger is one thing, but I try not to be angry, but if I don't allow myself to get angry at certain things, I find myself being rageful. Right. And... Uh, and so I'm wondering, is there like a, well, I think there is a connection, but is the connection that if you, are they connected in terms of one gets bigger or are right. they actually let's, different? Let's, let's take them apart, okay? Let's just take yeah. them apart because, um, I don't know, I, I think sometimes I think about stuff that really, you know, I put way too much energy into it, but this is it. So... <clears throat> so the first three chakras of the human being are all centered in animal nature, and many people never progress out of those first three chakras. Thank God, because we need farmers and goat herders and, uh, you know, mountain climbers, and we need people that are truly, truly centered in their animal nature. Not everybody needs to be spiritual. We also need people that are factory workers that are content to work, sleep, eat, and repeat. So, and it's 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 an important um, part of a balanced society that some people have different needs. So, when you look at when you look at rage, rage is an emotion that occurs in your liver. So, if you take and you look at the third chakra, the third chakra has three energy points. One goes over your stomach, one goes over your solar plexus, and the other one goes over your liver. So when you fall into rage, rage is your most primal emotion. You know, um, rage was created so that you could, um, you could take and free yourself from a situation. You know, I mean, let's, let's, just imagine, let's just imagine something kind of negative for a moment. We'll get to something positive. Um, somebody, somebody approaches you on the street and says to you, you know, you don't know this person, and they say to you, you know, you really owe it to me to help me take care of my life. And you look at that person and you go, you know, just get away from me, okay? You have some sort of a thing. But inside of yourself, you're sort of enraged that they approached you and asked you for something really inappropriate, okay? So that, right. that's your, and your sense of rage. But it is a primal emotion. It is strictly centered in your animal nature. So rage is your liver emotion. I had um, a friend who went through a liver transplant, and when she went through a liver transplant, afterwards it was the first time that she ever experienced rage because the liver that she was born with was a flawed liver and she never experienced rage and she had no idea what people were talking about so it was a surprise to her and so the liver is the function of rage now the problem with rage is is that when you experience the rage it releases so many hormones it leaves you feeling intoxicated and people become rageaholics feeling of raging is intoxicating to some individuals or they could rage so long and so hard the body um, takes on this process of seeing it as a rageaholic sort of process. But no, rage is strictly animal nature. Anger is often a cover for hurt feelings and hurt feelings are often a cover for anger and Anger, for the most part, and this is a general remark, is 
a negative expression of love. So you're in a conflict with somebody. You cannot express love to this individual for whatever reason. And so you express your anger towards them. And it's like, hey, you're going to get my point. I really love you. I really care about you. And you really need to understand that what you're doing is not working in your life, and I'm here to help you. Um, Generally speaking, people don't really hear the anger, um, but you feel better because you've said your piece. And then later you look back on it and you realize you feel really hurt because you don't want to lose this person. You care about this person. You're invested in this person. And if they continue on this path, they're not going to have much of a life. Therefore, you won't have a life with them. So that's the cover for, that's the, the difference between rage. Rage is a primal emotion to protect you um, and to take and force you to deal with an issue of safety. And anger is a heart chakra issue, which is the first time you come into your spiritual energy. And it is a negative expression of love and is often, very often, a cover for negative expression of love. And that's, that is an extreme oversimplification and a broad stroke remark. But, Stephanie, talk to me a little bit and see how that kind of resonates with you. Well, actually, it does because um, in terms of uh, in terms of the outcome of those two emotions, um, the, the the physical activity, the physical reaction to them, mm-hmm. when I have felt rage rages, I'm my I'm exhausted. I am. Um, I don't feel well. You know, it's basically, I feel toxic. Mm-hmm. And, and that, of course, is liver. Right. Um, so what you said made absolute sense in that regard. And also, when I felt anger, it's, it's from a different place. It feels from a different place. I'm never out of control when I'm angry. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never, like, gotten to that place where I see red. Right. You know, it's like I'm angry, I have justification, I feel it, and, and you're right. It is an emotion that is born out of love, actually, because if I don't care about somebody, I'm sure as heck not going to get angry at them. Why bother? <laughs> Isn't that true? Yeah. It's indifferent. You're indifferent. Well, that's too bad. Right. It's like, yeah. you know, I, you can't make me angry if I don't care about you. So. Yeah. What you said actually makes a lot of sense that they're really they really do come from two different places, and while they're both emotions, one and 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 what you also said about protecting you and you know the whole idea of of why you would you know go into that is kind of like fight or flight mm-hmm. right and, you know and that's that's definitely solar plexus stuff too. Right. You know. So Third chakra, animal nature. Right. So I can really, um, to get that. And then the other thing is, is that anger, <clears throat> that heart chakra brings you between anger and, I mean, the, your heart chakra in the center of your body is, is that place where you kind of like transition between the animal and the spiritual. That's that place where you move to that. So anger would make sense to me that it comes from a more immature place in your heart chakra, because once let's not, you really let's not let's not label let's not label the maturity level because that puts a judgment on it, and that means that you so so let let's I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you to regress re, I'm gonna ask you to go back to a different point in your physical body your solar plexus region is. The, the area which you have to be very careful and you have to protect and you, you, you have certain foods you can eat and certain foods you can't eat and you've become very aware of this. So as long as right. I've known you, your issues have always been centered in your solar plexus. Absolutely. Okay. I, really true. Yeah. And not too long and ago you were, talk, you were talking about some sort of supplement and how new it was and I told you you couldn't do it because... You know, you had finally gotten your um, digestive tract and you'd gotten some things figured out and you were doing really well and I wasn't going to let you just sort of throw something else into the mix and see if it sorted itself out because it just really wasn't worth the risk. So, if you as a person, just talking to me, 
Um, if you separate rage from anger and you allow yourself to use rage to um, protect yourself, realize it's a protective mechanism, and you acknowledge that anger happens, what happens to the dynamic for you as a person to your spirituality? What happens to your spirituality? Um, by acknowledging the, the difference or by acknowledging that there's anger versus love versus... Separating the process. Yeah. Understanding that one process protects the physical body, your physical being, and the other process is about, is about acknowledging yourself and being able to express yourself. You express um, anger, that's a negative expression of love, what happens in that process when I separate those two pieces for you as a person? What happens to you? Uh, well, personally, I, I feel actually relieved. It makes a lot of sense to me. So right. I feel like I'm not... And it also helps me define what, what's going on. I don't okay. quite feel as... as um, Confused. Okay. So I'm going to go just a little bit deeper and reconnect you to something. If you realize that rage is a survival mechanism, animal nature, and anger is a higher emotion, do you need to judge people for not being able to figure out their angers? Can you be less judgment? judgmental, more spiritual, more compassionate, more understanding, more supportive, more connected. If you're not judging that emotion so deeply, can you reconnect to people and still feel safe and trust them? Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that that's exactly where you're going. I mean, that's exactly what that that insight allows is a, a place where I don't have to be uh, judgmental on about protecting myself. In, in other words, I know that when I'm triggered, that's one thing going on, and my anger is, is another thing going on. And I can also be a lot more patient with with that happening in another person. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that, I, that that's, a, that's a place to grow. You know, I'm not okay. there yet, but, <laughs> but it's definitely a place to grow. Okay. So, and I'm just going to put one more fine point on it, not to drill the point home. Would your business, your personal business that you do of serving people and helping them to get their health, would your own personal business grow if you didn't look at them and think, well, they're not being spiritual enough by not being willing to let go of that anger, would your spiritual business grow because you wouldn't be judging people by their growth to your standards about anger? Um, well, yes, because when you let go of judgment, things flow. I mean, judgment is a form of strangulation, at least in terms of what I understand. So okay. under, understanding that, that my assessment of someone's uh, anger is a judgment also helps me to understand that I, I have, that it's important to release that judgment because it, it allows flow to happen. So logically, of course, the business would do better. Thanks for doing the conversation, Stephanie. Darty, thank you, you for having me. No, 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 let's see if Darty's got anything to add here. Um, no, I think that was fabulous discussion. No, I only thing I you know, I agree with all of it. I mean it's to me anger is a is a level of emotion and you uh you know, if it's not expressed, it uh, it goes into rage. So that's, yeah. <laughs> that's dry, simple. Good, Stephanie. good discussion. Good discussion. <laughs> Thank a plus, you. A, a plus for doing the conversation, making yourself vulnerable, 
um, accepting yourself, losing your past here in this Thank conversation. <laughs> and um, I know you so well. It's a great, it's a great conversation. We have the conversation on the telephone in this format. It, it allows both of us to become objective enough about my material with you, um, which I think is one of the problems all psychics have, and that's why we shouldn't do work for our friends. But, you know, <laughs> it's part of life. <laughs> but, but you, you know, obviously I'm, I've um, got a lifetime or two invested with you, so I have um, more energy for creating solutions. Um, yeah. So um, thank you. Thank you, thank you, and, um, and next time we talk. Oh, yeah, you're really, you're really good. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Nice talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. Thank you. And and um, and it was really nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. Thank you. All right. I'm mm-hmm. I'm out. Okay. <laughs> Doherty, go over the five points with me one again. I want to have them tattooed on my brain. Self-acceptance. <laughs> Lose the past. Lose the past. Is, I think that's fun. I mean, to me, the point is, of course, that it takes courage to grow up and who you really are. And that's the work involved. So the five keys are accept yourself, lose the past, allow yourself to be vulnerable, stop caring what others think, and be open and honest with yourself and others. Wow. So those are the what five keys I talk about. I love it. Did, we, did Stephanie and I cover those five keys in that conversation? I certainly think so. Because like you said at the end, I mean, you, she allowed herself to be vulnerable by asking the question. And, uh, you know, and you pointed out many things, I think, for her to, to cogitate on, to think about, and to incorporate into what came from her question. So, yeah, I do. Hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's such, I, I, I think sometimes we, we focus in on doing this uh, spiritual work, and I don't think that people, I don't think that often enough that I explain to people the benefit of, you know, the work. So you do the work. Um, and the work always is endless, by the way. There's no, like, destination. Oh, yeah. like, you show up for a class and you finish the work and then you go on. No, it's endless. So I, I like Carolyn Mays because some of her insight is really, really profound. But she says that there's certain lessons that we have to learn in this lifetime. And that we would, if we knew that we were going to have to learn these lessons and experience these things, we would not opt for it. So... We don't know these things in advance, but there seems to be particular themes in our life lessons. And, you know, it isn't that you experience, you experience something once or twice. You experience it in many, many different ways. And the more evolved you get, the more deeply you experience it and the more you understand why you experienced it. But to truly have the use of your subconscious state, your conscious state and the understanding of what is happening in your dream state and to care for your physical body requires meticulous care, honesty, and self-understanding. And I just think, for me personally, I happen to really enjoy doing it, but I found that it is not always something that people are willing to do, and I have to always give them the option, always. I completely agree. I completely agree. It is something I enjoyed and have been doing all my life as well from the time I started waking up. And I really appreciate and understand a lot of times I find myself saying to myself when I wish something or someone would be different, I release everyone to experience exactly what they want and I release myself to experience whatever I want. Everybody is individually on their own soul journey doing, you know, driving their own bus. And you know, as you started out the conversation earlier, you know, the, in talking about the people at different levels of existence and everybody is here doing what they're supposed to do when they're doing it, you know. If you're interested, I mean, if people are interested in self-discovery then and spiritual work, 
or moving to the next level or evolving their consciousness, whatever, whatever experience that is for them, then there are tools, there are, there are things available for them to, to begin that, that course of, uh, of work for themselves. It's an, and it's an inside job anyway, right? Well, I like it, so I just don't understand... Um, I just don't understand why somebody wouldn't do it. But I do meet people that don't want to do it. Um, so it, I think it, it's it scary hard... for people, don't you think? You know, I think it's more scary to live a, a life of unawareness and an unexamined yeah, life and a, and a life of being unconscious, acting like a robot. But um, what what can you do about that? Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of the, the, um, the point... One of the points I make a lot when I share with folks is that, you know, not minding what happens is a really important thing. So hmm. part of becoming aware is to, to not mind what happens. You know, it's like um, it was, um, who was it? Uh, num- what's his name? Christomurti. Christomurti. Back, uh, you know, Christomurti was a spiritual teacher from the 1930s to the 1950s, and he decided that uh, he was going to stop teaching and, go off and meditate for the rest of his life. And he had about 3,000 people in front of him. And this was his, these were his followers. And this was his last lecture. And he said to them all, you know, I'm going to tell you my secret. And they're all like sitting forward in their seats going, oh, my goodness, we're finally going to hear the secret. He says, my secret is I don't mind what happens. And some people get the profundity of that and some don't. Some people say, well, I do care. And that doesn't mean you don't care. It just means that you release things to be what they are and do what they do, including people you love. <laughs> well, yeah. But, I mean, a lot of people are too controlling. You know, you ever try and work yeah. with somebody who's really controlling and you try and tell them, you know, the outcome is going to be good. You know, you just have to be willing to accept it. So <clears throat> I do find that people have a lot of difficulty with acceptance. Um, controlling people are just... I'm, you know, you work with lawyers. You've worked with lawyers your whole life. Oh yeah, I they, love, they love they love <laughs> control. They love confrontation. They love dissecting words. The intention of the words. Not all lawyers. Not all lawyers. <laughs> <laughs> not all lawyers love confrontation. Not all lawyers. Okay, like trial that. trial uh, trial lawyers like probably trial lawyers. <laughs> Definitely yeah. litigation attorneys. They love that stuff, and it's they gotten to a level now. But I, you know, when I was in, I, in 1960, as I went into the, into the legal field, and in 1960, I promise you, the lawyers didn't act like they act now. Times have changed. There was a comedy between lawyers. There was, they respected them and acted nice with each other, even when they were fighting with each other. And now, I mean, I mean at least in the early part of my legal career, when I would go to a deposition or something, I would go, how can these people act like this? Because in my early life, I was a paralegal, and then I went to law school and became a lawyer. And so it was like, wow, the law changed, and people changed, or time changed, or you know, expression of uh, of, of, of civility had changed. And so I was really amazed at the difference. And so I think I think lawyers are different now than they were, uh, you know, fifty, sixty years ago. <laughs> I think that's true. Um, obviously, um, protecting security, privacy, technology um, processes, that wasn't a concern 50 years ago. There was no technology really to protect. No. So, yeah. None. We had our typewriters yeah, no. and, our, and our pens <laughs> and steno pads. And <laughs> that's, that's right. Um, I suppose mm-hmm. there was telegrams, but that was about it. Um, there were. There were. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're waiting, coming into that same time. Though. Yeah, I'm waiting for um, I'm waiting for a caller to come on the line, and so uh, let's see let's see what happens here. So let's go to the fourth key, um, and the fourth key is not caring what other people think. So tell me how you figured that one out for yourself not caring what other people think well so many times I found myself you know everything that I did was in response to what somebody else thought I mean 
I would, um, I found myself quite, quite the chameleon in my early life. Um, being um, with whoever I was with, that's what I was. So if okay. I was a Republican, I was a Republican. If I was a Democrat, I was a Democrat. Um, I made up stuff. Um, I was uh, just uh, afraid to even express who I was because of what other people would think. So, you know, sometimes, sometimes I would not do something because I was concerned about what others think. Or I, I would hold back. I wouldn't express my opinion, and I wouldn't do what I would want to do or go where I wanted to go or wear what I wanted to wear because I was concerned about what other people thought, which mm-hmm. was important to me, mm-hmm. that, that I'd be thought well of. It wasn't so much me. I mean, it was, and that was the shift. The shift was, you know, it's really, it's really about me. You know, it's like uh, Lao Tzu said, that we care about other people thinking you will always be their prisoner. So it's important that no matter why we think we do it, at some point we based a, a lot of our life and decisions on what someone else might think of us. And so we end up right. not doing it because we're afraid. So I wasn't a very confident person. <laughs> huh? Confidence. I think maybe I was more rebellious. So I never understood... Um, my family was very much like you don't go outside unless you're dressed perfectly and, you know, mm-hmm. all these other silly nonsense things. And I thought, did I miss something? Are these people paying my bill? Am I living with them? You know, <laughs> I mean, is there some sort of an entanglement here that I'm not aware of? And, I mean, I had That's this observation very, very early in my life. Yeah. And then the other one was, um, you know, you know, what if I did something and, uh, you know, it was totally outrageous. Well, thank God, because what if I did something that was ordinary and I never found myself? That was by far greater <laughs> loss. And I have a lot of, I have a lot of love for people that do what they are good at, and so, um, so that's that's the. Um, so my next person, I think you're going to really enjoy this person. I've got Denise. She's coming on. We had uh, had a little bit of trouble. Uh, finding her phone number and connecting her into the system, but uh, Tiffany um, has found her, and she's going to be dropping her in. Denise, is that you? It's me. Hi there. Sorry for the confusion. No, <laughs> Thank you no, for no, no. Out. <laughs> no, no. Denise, I would like you to meet Darty Wesley. Darty Wesley, I would like you to meet Denise. Hello there. Nice, nice to meet you, my phone. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello. Yeah. So, um, first of all, you are extremely charming and very socially gracious, which touches a soft place inside of my heart, Denise. So, thank, oh, thank you, you for coming on and talking. You're lovely. I appreciate it. It was such an easy, easy conversation with you. So, this is going to be a continuation of that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, what would you like to ask about today? You know, this almost sounds crazy, but and I've been very lucky and very privileged in my life, generally speaking. Um, I try to live a very sort of good life. I don't deal with a lot of drama. I tend to try and do what I say and, and the whole nine yards. And recently I've, I've been sort of surprised. There have been a couple of incidents where I've heard sort of behind the scenes later um, of people saying things that had happened or telling stories that were just completely untrue and that caught me completely off guard. It happened about three times and it was enough that it made me think, is there something I'm putting out in the world or something I'm doing that's causing this to happen? It just seemed so strange to have had these three incidents with with three different people that were so unpleasant, but I didn't I wasn't aware that that was happening when it was happening. It just it made me think, what, what am I doing or what's happening? Am I giving off a vibe that doesn't seem to be honest? Do people not believe it? I just didn't know what to make of that. And I didn't have another way of sort of working it through. I thought maybe there's another, another way of viewing this. So that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk with you about. Okay, good. It's a great question. A little bit different. Unfortunately, I need a for instance. So you're going to have to be a little bit vulnerable here. Sure, no, that's gener- okay. A, one incident, a general, for instance, I prefer people choose a smaller, the smaller one, because if it's shown up three times, we're just going to see variations on a theme. So choose yes. the smaller one. Absolutely. Um, 
I worked with someone a while back. She had come to my organization. Um, this is a former organization. I, uh, to be candid with you, I'd worked with her before. I, I didn't actually like her very much. I, I did not think much of her personally. But we were coming to work together. And so when she came and joined the team, um, I made sure that I introduced her to all the folks that I thought would be a good – we do some work in the community. And so um, it was important to get to know folks in the community. So I made sure that I introduced her to all the bar leaders, everyone that I knew that she'd be able to do um, her work with. I went out of my way to try and ensure that I was as professional as possible. I um, made other connections. I gave her all of my kind of notes. Um, and then I just, she ended up leaving maybe nine months or so later, which was fine. She came in and told me she was leaving. I said, oh, great for you. Um, is, are you going to a better place? She said, it's healthier for my family. And then she moved along. So then interestingly enough, maybe six or eight months after that, so just recently, someone else who worked at that same company told me that someone else had told them <laughs> she left because Denise made her life miserable. And I was flabbergasted. I said, what does she mean? I didn't do okay. anything. I was surprised by that. So that was really, it made me think about it a lot. Okay. So are you okay with, um, as part of your question, are you okay with sharing you know, your area of work. Sure, absolutely. So I work, um, I work in the legal field. I'm, I'm a lawyer, but I don't practice anymore, so I'm legal adjacent. So a lot of what I do okay. is sort of business development. And uh, again, in kind of a legal, I'm not being vague. It's just pretty hard to explain no, exactly no, no, what no, I do, no. but it's legal no, no, adjacent. No, good. Okay, good. So here's, here's the problem. Here is the problem. Your first instinct of this woman was correct. Okay. Oh, yeah. You didn't like her. Whatever reasons, you didn't like her. And I have over and over and over and over again, I've seen people and they said, and I go, well, so how'd you meet this person? Or what was your first impression? And most of the time, 80% of the time, I would say the person says, oh my God, I met this person. I didn't like them. So here's the part that may not be a very popular thing. You didn't actually, because I've been around you, you didn't actually do anything wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. It's just that this person knew you didn't like her, and so she couldn't receive anything that was kind, that was loving, that was socially appropriate. So it doesn't have anything to do with you, but I think that it's hard. It's very, very hard because social graces count a lot. But sometimes I think you just have to be more honest with the person and tell them, you know what, I think that you, you, you would be better suited in working with this individual, you know, and, then, and not put the effort into it. Because you put all that time, all that effort, and all that energy into it, and what did she do? She went off to the next person and said that, oh, my God, I worked with Denise, and she just made my life a living hell. I couldn't stand it. I had to leave. And you didn't do that. You did not no. do that, okay? So, um, but it, it would be pretty, if this has happened three times, mm -hmm. there, there are, uh, <laughs> and I don't think that you would, I don't think you would call up with a question like that and, and make that piece up. So I find <laughs> it interesting because do you know how many people are socially awkward? You know what? Yes, I think that's a piece. There's certainly folks that uh, that aren't necessarily as comfortable dealing with the public. I, I understand that as well. The the, the other maybe I maybe I should frame my question differently. But I, I guess in my head I was thinking that that individual had just kind of told a lie. But you framed it in a way that makes me think about it differently. You're right. It wasn't a lie. It was just you felt that. The other two incidents were more about like this individual that lives in my condo building had told a spate of lies about my dog and me, and that was surprising to me, too, because those things also hadn't happened. <laughs> that just may be a condo thing, but again, I was uh, so no. surprised because the person had just told outright lies, and I thought, well, I, I didn't expect that. So, you know, it's, I love what you've said, Suzanne, because I feel like you've reframed it, and now it seems kind of obvious and silly. I'm looking at it, these are lies, but it's actually something else. It's the one person probably felt that I didn't like her, which I, which I didn't. And this other person maybe has something else related to it. It's the truth. I'm sorry. That was so funny. That is so funny. Okay, so let's go to the dog and the condo, okay? Okay. okay. Let's go to the dog and the condo. First of um, all, 
Yes, <laughs> First ma'am. of all, na- neighbors in a condo association, um, I find that they, they, they have a tendency to get very rigid, very caught up in the rules, and um, very much the individual who needs to protect their identity associated with that condo. They are not a person living in a home. They are an individual who has an identity, i.e., ego, attached to who they are as a result of that piece of ownership. And so in order to protect that, they will tell any lie in order to continue to protect their ego. So once again, not real. This is a huge problem with condos because... I find that the people that end up on the board end up not being the most honest people, and I find that they want that position on the board because it satisfies some, and I can't imagine what, but some ego need. And I I do not mean any judgment by that. I just, Mm -hmm. it's not my world. I just don't get it. Um, But the the thing that is kind of um, kind of interesting when I tune in on this one psychically. Uh, that person is afraid of your dog, and so this person is is mm. trying trying to create a situation where you're the villain. Fear, mm. and I don't know why the person would be afraid of your dog, but the person is. Well, so. well that's helpful to know. My dog is twelve pounds <laughs> and very sweet. <laughs> That is useful to know if that's the case. All right, I'll have to sit with that and think about what I can do about that. Well, Very the dog, interesting. The dog is just a cute little... Okay, so I, I was at the um, pet store one day, and mm-hmm. somebody had the cutest little chihuahua in their little basket, you know, the little top part where the children usually go. And I go, oh yes. my gosh, look at that cute little dog. And I go... Uh, can I pet the dog? And they said, oh, yeah. And so I put my hand, you know, down, and I put it so the backside oh, no. was up so the dog slowly could sniff it, and the dog sniffed it. And then when I reached over to pet it, the dog went like this. Ah! Oh, no. Turn into Cujo. And I looked at the person who had, told me, who had told me it was okay to pet their dog, and you know what they said? They put their hand on their heart, and they go, oh! A fluffy has never done that before. <laughs> I look at them like, right, right. Oh, yeah. Come on. Now, just me. <laughs> wishful thinking. <laughs> right. Yeah, just so me. May, maybe it was true, but remember, little fluffy who sits in your lap and is very well behaved for you because you feed, you know, fluffy and you walk fluffy and you take care of fluffy and fluffy loves you and everything else. Remember, fluffy is not the same. Uh, dog with other people, and dogs often sense when people, there's something wrong with them. I mean, they just know. They just look at them and they go, they look at you as the human and they go, what are you doing talking to that, that person there? Can't you see? Can't you see? So your dog knows something about that person, and that person is afraid, and it's all been really quite simply revealed. I'm more concerned about the fact that these things have sort of, you have turned them into a situation of a feeling as if you have been deceived rather than mm-hmm. understanding that these are people that, these are their own agendas. They have nothing to do with you. <laughs> nothing. That, that's so helpful. I mean, I, that may be the, the most insightful thing <laughs> that I really needed. You're, you're right. I've been thinking, what am I doing wrong? I'm putting something in the universe where these things are happening. No. And that's exactly what I don't want to be doing. I do try to be drama-free. These seem to be very surprising. So, this perspective is very helpful, Suzanne. Oh, you're so really but I, I would stop affirming I don't want to be drama-free. I would, I would, stop, I would start uh, affirming uh, I do what I need to do to have a peaceful existence and whatever I do to take care of my own well-being, protect my health and my own uh, future. I would talk to my, I do a self-talk process that was very, very different rather than mm-hmm. I don't want drama because you're empowering drama in your life. R- really? Okay, well, that I don't want that at all. That is exactly I don't want to change that self-talk. I'm going to change that. Yes, yes, yes. absolutely. Very important. Very important to change that self-talk. Uh, um, now, I remember, did I tell you, um, Denise, that you were a humanitarian? Did I say you had a headline, lifeline, disconnect? 
You know what? I, so I listened, obviously, to a couple of your other podcasts, and I heard that. I thought, oh, that's super interesting. And I'll be candid with you. I don't really remember. It was so amazing and so many pieces of information, but I felt like it blew past me so quickly, <laughs> which I'm so bummed about. I know. I'm so bummed about that. So I honestly do not remember. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't remember uh-huh. if you'd said that. I'd heard that in your podcast and thought it was pretty uh-huh. nifty, but I, I don't know if that applied to me at all. Huh. Well, definitely we've got to do it again then because um – you know, I, I tell people, I say, you know, it's really fast, so you should record it. And they say, i got a great memory. And then they go, I wish oh. I'd recorded it. And I was thinking, I wish you'd listen to me. <laughs> Absolutely. That, that will but, not happen again. Yeah, I will record it next time completely. I wasn't, yeah. we, we were kind of in a, that interesting space, and so I, really, I didn't even know you were going to do it. And I was so surprised and thrilled. And then after that, I, I thought, well, that was thrilling, but I, I didn't. So I told my friend to record it, and she did, and that was amazing. I'll have to do the same thing, oh. too. We do it again. Oh, yeah, she was able to go back and listen to it, and she just thought, oh, every time she listens, she gets something new. It's so much. It's just so much useful, good, something you want to think about. It's not something that you should just allow to blow by whether or not you've got a good memory. That is not the, not the answer. Yeah, it's just such, a, um, it's such an effortless process. Somebody stands in front of me, puts their palms up, and, and then I just read them, and it just, you know, it, I don't even really think that I try not to even listen to myself anymore when I do it. So, but yeah, let's do it again. Great conversation with you. Thanks for Thank being you. open, um, demonstrating self-acceptance, and um, making yourself vulnerable to this process. Thank you. This has been really so helpful. Well. Can I just tell you that it was when you did my palm reading, it was clearly so effortless. I mean, it just, it just rolled <laughs> off your tongue. That I, I think I spent a good 30 seconds being amazed by that and not focusing on what you said. I mean, really, I was so taken aback. It was so impressive. And it had gone by, and I thought, oh, no, what did she say? Because it just flowed out of you. So pe- people need to heed your warning to record you. They, they absolutely need to. I was utterly oh. shocked and impressed. So that was an amazing oh, experience. Yeah. Oh, thank <laughs> you. It's always fun. It's always a lot of fun of a, at a party. Let's see, go in the cubicle and sign my medical directive. Or <laughs> the room and talk to the psychic. Okay. Right. Which one's it going to be? Which one's it going to be? So thank you again, Suzanne. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate thank this you, call. Thank you. Yeah, you're wonderful. Really wonderful. Have a great day. Okay. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Darty, we're down to our last minute. There so, we are. Uh, yeah, that went really quick. You're fabulous. I thought I could talk a lot. You can talk much more than I can, Darty. You're fabulous. Oh, I'm sure. I know. That's what the thing when we and I, when you and I get together, boy, we talk. <laughs> hours, <laughs> we have to give each hours. other time. Hours, hours and hours. <laughs> hours fly by. So, thank Darty, you, thank you, how, Suzanne, so much. Oh no, tell thank everybody how to get in touch. Having with me on your podcast. Oh, uh, get in touch with yourself. me. Sign up for yeah. my. Sign up for my newsletter, my Love from the Lotus World, mm-hmm. first of every month. And you can sign up at www.darity, D-A-R-I-T-Y, Wesley, W-E-S-L-E-Y, dot com. And I've also put up, check this out, www.tamethatmonkeymind.com, because we all need to tame our monkey mind. That's part of our work, too finding out about yeah. the monkey bite. Thank you so yeah. much for having me, Suzanne. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And you can contact me at 714-400-7384. This is The Deep Reading, connecting you to your soul. Thank you for joining us today. It has been a great conversation, interesting call-ins, a little bit deeper than I usually do on the radio. Have a great day and join me next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic perks. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.